Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Savini, and I cover the Jets for ESPN. Covered about 600 Jets games in my life, so I've seen pretty much all of the bad stuff. Gastinos roughing the passer in Cleveland, the Dennis Bird tragedy, the fake spike, the entire Kotite debacle, Vinny's Achilles, Belichick's press conference, the butt fumble, Tebow, Geno's broken jaw, Darnold's mono, the Gase debacle, Wilson, but I've never seen anything like Monday night. The fourth play. The fourth play, Aaron Rodgers goes down, a season-ending Achilles injury. He had surgery on Wednesday. Everything changed in that moment, and the repercussions will be felt for years. Aaron Rodgers will become the first Week 1 quarterback in 72 years to go an entire season without completing a pass. The immortal Joe Gasparella did it. In 1951 for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he went 0-2, 0 for 2. Thanks for joining us this week. This is a tough one. I get it. I'll try to be respectful. We'll take a quick look back at Monday night. A great win, by the way. Great overtime win by the Jets. But we have to focus on what now, as Robert Sala would say, and how the Rodgers injury affects this franchise. We'll also talk about Zach Wilson, who starts Sunday against the Cowboys. I've had a few days to digest everything, but I've talked to a lot of people in the locker room and around the league, and I just want to share a few thoughts about this Achilles situation. In my opinion, by the way, this was not a turf injury. Now, I am on the player's side. I think all fields should be grass, but I do not believe this was a turf injury. I also believe, and I know it was not Dwayne Brown's fault, he was told to execute a cut block, which is perfectly legal, and he did. Offensive linemen don't love to do cut cut blocks. I've talked to offensive line coaches and linemen. It's part of the West Coast system. The idea is, you, you know, you dive at a guy's legs, it forces him to drop his hands to protect himself, and then when his hands are down, the quarterback can throw quickly over his head. I don't think the Jets linemen in particular like to do this cut block technique. I think most linemen don't like it because if you're 330 pounds and you're six foot five, you don't want to be throwing yourself on the ground. You know, on the first play of the game, you saw Becton and Brown both throwing cut blocks. It's a three-step drop for Aaron Rodgers. For some reason, he didn't throw it on time. Garrett Wilson was open on a slant to his left. I don't know why he held it too long. Uh, now, reportedly, he doesn't like cut blocks because... You know, it forces him to hold the ball. I mean, he has to get rid of it quickly, whereas he'd rather extend plays at times. Uh, But it was in the script. You know, the Jets script their first 15 plays, so it was in the script. He knew it was coming. 
He authorized it, according to Nathaniel Hackett. He just throws it on time and we're not having this conversation. So that's about the play. Now, what, what about now? So this is Zach Wilson's team right now. I think Robert Sala has done a great job of selling Wilson to the public and to his own locker room. That's Sala's strength. He's a good salesman. He has to make them believe. Now, is there concern within the locker room? You're damn right there is. Zach Wilson has been a bad quarterback for the Jets. His career QBR is 36. That's the lowest in the NFL over the last 15 years among 80-some-odd quarterbacks who've qualified. So he's been historically bad. Now, has Rodgers helped him? Has this mentorship uh, benefited Zach Wilson? Absolutely. I can see it in his demeanor off the field. In dealing with the media, he seems a little more relaxed. He still seems a little uptight, but not as much as before. And I've also observed more interaction with teammates. He seems to be enjoying himself a little bit more. Uh, Again, that was as the backup. Now that he's the starter, of course, there's more pressure on him. So I do think Rodgers has had a positive effect and will continue. And here's why. The players have so much respect for Rodgers. And they've heard what he said about Zach Wilson. They've seen how he took him under his wing. So they're like, if Aaron believes in this guy, let's give him a chance. So in absentia, Rodgers is still impacting the Jets in a positive way. So I think Wilson will get the benefit of the doubt, even though based on his past history, probably doesn't deserve one, but he will get one. But he still has to go out and play. He still has to validate it with his performance on the field. I think Nathaniel Hackett becomes probably the most important man in the building right now. He's got to dial back this offense. The Aaron Rodgers offense cannot be the Zach Wilson offense. There's just no way. Uh, I think you can't have him as a pure straight back drop passer. I think you got to move the pocket a little bit. I would incorporate more RPOs into the offense. I would encourage Wilson to use his legs. He's a really good athlete. In fact, when you go, and I believe it or not, I'm a nerd. I did this. I went back and I watched most of his high school games. Zach Wilson in high school, and I talked to a lot of people in the state of Utah, he was more known as a running quarterback than he was a throwing quarterback. He's a really good athlete. You saw it in the preseason with that long run against Tampa Bay. He's not the biggest guy, though, and he is prone to injury. We know that, so there's risk involved. However, I would try to let him use his legs with some design runs. I would feature the running game. Brees Hall looked amazing in the opener. Uh, The speed, he hit 20 and a half miles per hour on that long run. That was, I believe, the seventh fastest in the league for a ball carrier in week one. Feature the running game, play to the defense. You know, there, there is a formula to do this, but you just need the quarterback to be efficient and eliminate mistakes. This is huge for Joe Douglas. He whiffed on the decision to draft Wilson number two in 2021. He stuck to his conviction. He believes in the guy, and he kept him on as the QB, two. A lot of GMs might have just said, that's it. We're cutting the cord. Joe Douglas kept him. Instead, you know, he went out and got Tim Boyle, not exactly a guy I would say was competition for Wilson. So he is, in a sense, committed to Wilson as his number two. Uh Could have made a stronger attempt to re-sign White, Mike White, who went to uh, Miami. But no, he sticks with Zach Wilson, thinking that this whole mentorship thing could work, and then maybe someday in a couple of years he takes over again. If he flops, 
with a new coordinator in a new system in a different role, that would be a very poor reflection on Joe Douglas, and it was absolutely compromised the season. Now, everyone's wondering about, are they going to get another quarterback? They did have interest in Brett Rippon. It's not a sexy name, but he played for Hackett last year in Denver, so he knows the offense. He was on the Rams practice squad when the Jets showed interest. They bumped him up to their roster. He's now the backup to Stafford, so he is off limits. No, they have not reached out to Tom Brady. I checked on that. It has not happened. Here's my prediction, and I think this is what the Jets are talking about right now internally. They have five more games before the bye week. I think this is going to be a five-week audition for Zach Wilson. Um, At that time, uh, they could, with the bye week, a couple of weeks before the trading deadline, they'll have time to deal for a starting caliber quarterback. I would keep my eye on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. They are obviously off to an 0-2 start. Cousins becomes a free agent on March 15th. His contract voids. If they're out of the race by the midseason trading deadline, maybe, maybe they move on and go with their kid, Jalen Hall, a fifth-round pick. Maybe they bump him up and give him a ride if they're out of it. Cousins is only making $10 million this year, and by then there'll only be $6 million or so left on his deal, so it's very affordable from a cap standpoint. He's in a West Coast-style offense. He's had a long background in this style offense, so I don't think it would be a major transition, obviously some transition with the verbiage and so forth, but not, you know, not totally out of the realm of possibility. Uh, he does have a no-trade clause, though. And so he could veto any deal. And he he rejected the Jets once. We know that back in 2018 when they turned to Sam Darnold. Um, maybe he does it again. Who knows? Now, I, you can bet Minnesota would want a first-round pick. Um, would the Jets part with that for a half-season rental? I mean, their second-rounder's already gone. That's going to Green Bay for Rodgers. It would be very tempting for the Jets, if they're still in it, to keep the train rolling with Cousins, and then after the year, Cousins moves on as a free agent, and you go back to Rodgers. It seems like a very seamless situation. Uh, So if they're in contention at the deadline, I could see them trying to do that. But then again, if they're in contention, it probably means Zach Wilson is not a train wreck. And that's why this is going to become a career-defining decision for Joe Douglas. Um, If they're, say, 3-3 and after six games, and Minnesota's out of it, do you make the move for Cousins or do you ride it out with Zach Wilson? Going to be a fascinating few weeks coming up. Best case scenario, of course, is that the team stays afloat with Wilson and they hope the defense carries the day. That's the optimal situation. We're going to start to find out some answers on Sunday in Dallas when the Jets head down to take on America's team. All right. Thank you so much for your questions. We are going to dive right in. Most of these, of course, will be quarterback related, but we'll try to spread it around a little bit. First one from at Pat underscore O'Connor 0324. Your original prediction was 10 and 7, and that was with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. What's your prediction now? And also, do you think Hackett will be a better OC than Mike LaFleur? Well, the Jets won seven games last year with poor quarterback play and a very good defense. So I think they absolutely can win seven games. I'd probably 
put him in the seven, eight, nine category right now. Um, probably seven or eight. It's going to be tough. It's a tough schedule. Next one from at Agewell Therapy. Everyone wants to ask what happens if Zach struggles, but the more intriguing question is what happens if Zach Wilson plays well, shows real growth, and uh, is a significant contributor in leading the Jets to the playoffs. Obviously, a very positive outlook, half-full outlook here by Chad. And uh, so, of course, the Jets would want that to happen. But Aaron Rodgers is not going anywhere. He'll be their quarterback next year. Uh, He's going to come back. He's going to rehab this injury. And they owe him $38 million fully guaranteed. They cannot trade that. No one is taking a 40-year-old quarterback coming off an Achilles injury with a $38 million guarantee. So he will be their quarterback unless something goes seriously wrong during his rehab. And Zach Wilson will be back as the backup. No, obviously, Zach Wilson would have tremendous trade value. And uh, if this scenario unfolds, as you say, so they could trade him, but then they would leave themselves without a quarterback beyond Rodgers. So interesting decision. I'm sure the Jets would sign up for that in a heartbeat. Uh, next one from at Sauced A-Rod. How does this compare to the Testaverde injury? Well, very interesting. You know, when, when Rodgers went down, I test, texted Vinny Testaverde, who was in the stadium. You guys know he was an honorary captain that night. He was sitting in Woody Johnson's box, and he said it brought back a lot of bad memories for sure. 1999 opener, you older diehard Jet fans know it. You know, second quarter, Testaverde, non-contact injury goes down, torn Achilles tendon. Now, interesting, that year, the Jets went into the season as a 7-1 to shot to reach the Super Bowl. This year, they went in as a 16-1 to shot, so they were actually more of a Super Bowl favorite that year in 99. It was very deflating. They ended up losing that game, and... I think it's so interesting, another parallel, they went with a quarterback who was drafted number two overall. That was Rick Meyer, who was drafted by Seattle in that position in 1993. This year, the Jets are going with a guy who was drafted number two overall, Zach Wilson, in 2021. Meyer was a disaster for the Jets. Uh, They had just acquired him a couple of weeks earlier from the Packers. They waited too long. And they kept him in the lineup too long. I think it's one of the worst coaching decisions of Bill Parcells' career. I think he would admit that now. Meyer was 2-4 and four as a starter. Uh, he brought no energy at all. He, w- he was like a mannequin back there. He was just, a um, just as Keyshawn Johnson might call him, a stiff puppet. And I don't know what Parcells was thinking. I think his good friend Ron Wolf, who was the Packers GM, sold him a bill of goods. And, and finally they went to Ray Lucas, um, who ended up, providing a spark and, and really helping the Jets get back to 8-8 eight and eight that year. but So there are some definite parallels between that now and then. Uh, next one from Matt Sports Narrative. Why has Lakin Tomlinson been such a disappointment, and is there a chance that Joe Tipman takes over at left guard this season? I don't see that happening uh, anytime soon. Tomlinson did not have a great game statistically on Monday night, according to our ESPN Analytics. He ranked 58th out of 62 guards in pass block win rate. He did not have a great year last year as well. I don't know. It's a really interesting situation. Uh, It's not a scheme thing. He's comfortable in this scheme. 
Uh, I would give him more time. One week is not enough time for such a veteran player. You want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if they fall out of contention at some point the year, you know, they're going to get Joe Tipman in there. If not there, then maybe at center. At Motormouth 88, could we see more of Jeremy, Jeremy Ruckert, especially now that Wilson is starting? I thought he looked pretty good run blocking. Uh, you, you're right, Ruckert. Actually, he only played 18 snaps against Buffalo on Monday night, and 15 of those he was blocking. He only ran three pass routes. So I absolutely can see them using Ruckert more. There probably will be more 12 personnel as they move forward trying to create a running game. They actually used 13 personnel. I believe it was about 10 or 11 snaps against Buffalo. That is a high amount of uh, 13 personnel, That which, of course, means three tight ends. So, yes, absolutely, I can see Ruckert. The guy's, he's their best blocking tight end. And at J underscore M underscore Cherry, that first series of the game looked like Rodgers was confused and lost. He never holds on to the ball when guys are open like Garrett Wilson was. What happened? It's a very confusing thing. It's possible. You know, I had someone tell me that it didn't seem like Rodgers was processing that quickly early in the game. Look. He's a human being. There was a lot of emotion before that game, you know, a tremendous pregame ceremony, uh, 9-11, you know, the lights, the smoke, the American flags, awesome scene. I actually felt like I was covering a Super Bowl. That's what it felt like, the electricity and the energy in the building during the pregame. Maybe he got caught up in that a little bit. You know, he's only human. Uh, He's not a robot. And a lot of times quarterbacks, it takes them a little while to, you know, a series or two before they get up to the speed of the game. Uh, Otherwise, I can't see why he missed Garrett Wilson. He was open on that slant route. He should have thrown it on a three-step drop. He had a clear alley to Wilson. I don't know. We may never know the answer to that one, and that's going to be a tough one to to think about through this season as Rodgers recuperates from his injury. Let's talk about the game. This is a big game, people. Jets 1-0 against the Cowboys 1-0. It's in a prime slot, 425 on CBS. You're going to get Romo and Nance. Jets don't get this that often. This is rare treatment for the Jets. I think the Jets' best chance to win this game is for a ground-heavy attack, ground and pound, if you will. They ran for 172 yards against a good Buffalo defense, and I think Dallas is vulnerable Against the Giants last Sunday night, on the first series, it looked like they were vulnerable on inside runs. Uh, The Giants had uh, effectively using some double-team blocks. There were some alleys for Saquon Barkley. They were really moving the ball. Now, of course, it it backfired with the false snap and the bad snap. But when they got the ball back on the second series, the Giants came out throwing the ball. Three and out, all passes. They should have stayed on the ground. I think they found something and they failed to exploit it. I think the Jets will try to exploit it with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. Now, Micah Parsons is a problem. He's a problem for everyone. He's going to be a problem for the Jets. He lines up everywhere, but checking the analytics, he'll be mostly on Makai Becton's side. Now, I talked to Makai Becton about Parsons. He said, quote, he's got a lot of weapons in his arsenal. He's a good mix of power and speed. Makai didn't seem that worried about it. it. Basically just saying, hey, I'll just go out and do my job. Now, I thought Makai did a solid job in the opener. 
He wasn't great. I think he'll get better as he gets more acclimated. This is going to be a huge challenge. If I were the Jets, I would run right at Parsons. He's a speed guy. Run at him. Force him to stick his face in there. Or as Al Groh used to say, stick his face in the fan and see if he's up to it. Priority number one for the Jets in this game is going to be pass protection. And that doesn't mean the offensive line. Zach Wilson's got to do a better job of get rid of the ball. Against Buffalo, his average release time was 3.29 seconds. That was the slowest delivery in the league among qualified passers in week one. That won't cut it against a very good pass rushing team. Dallas is number one in pressure percentage, 52%. That's There's no way they're going to maintain that pace. That's pressuring one out of every two dropbacks. Wilson has got to get rid of the ball within the rhythm of the offense. Stay out of uh, obvious passing downs. That will help. So they have to be really, really smart here. Use Wilson effectively and get the ball out of their hand. I think the Jets' defense is going to be just fine in this game. Dak Prescott, we know he's prone to interceptions. He was not tested by the Giants. Essentially, they were ahead by so much early in the game that, as Jeff Ulbrich said, the, the Cowboys basically ran their four-minute offense the entire game. Now, Brandon Cooks has a knee injury. He's iffy for this game. I think Gardner and Reed can handle C.D. Lamb. None of the other Cowboys' weapons worry me except Lamb, but I think the Jets will be okay there. If I were the Jets, I would overplay the run and force Prescott to beat them. That plays to the Jets' strength, which is pass rushing and secondary play. Man for man. Not counting the quarterback position, I think the Jets roster is every bit as good as Dallas. Unfortunately, the quarterback counts a lot in these games, and I just don't trust Wilson in this spot. He's on the road. It's a short week. It's a very good pass rush. It's his first start in a new system. He and Nathaniel Hackett are still getting comfortable with each other. you know. And now we have the kicking issue. On Friday, Robert Sala revealing that Greg Zerline has a groin injury. It actually happened in Thursday's practice. They failed to report it on Thursday. It should have been reported on Thursday. He said something developed later on after they released the injury report. In any event, the, the fact of the matter is that he was not scheduled to practice on Friday and the Jets are working out kickers and there's a 50-50 chance he may not play on Sunday. And that's a big deal because I think points... Points are going to be at a premium in this game. You're, you're talking about two outstanding defenses, field position, points. You don't have a guy like Zerline who was was excellent in the preseason. He was amazing in the preseason. Not having a guy like that in this game will affect their decision-making and plus strategy if they have to go with some unnamed kicker who they just got off the street. So, uh, so yeah, that's a factor as well. I'm going uh, Dallas 23 to 16 over the Jets in this game. I think the Jets' defense will keep him in. Like I said, I just don't trust Zach Wilson in this spot. So the Jets will fall to 1-1 one and one and then would come home to play the Patriots next week. We'll see what happens in the first game in the post-Aaron Rodgers Achilles era. I want to thank producer Jeff Scopin for putting this all together. We will talk to you next week on Flight Deck. Flight Deck.